Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So, today what we're going to talk about is biblical illiteracy. Oh, biblical illiteracy. Sunday school teacher had a small group of kids, young kids, and he asked a question, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? So, kids are raising their hands, and teacher goes, Tommy. He's sheepish, just sort of nervously. He's like saying, well, I, I don't know, but I promise I didn't do it. <laughs> so the teacher was shocked. He said, you know what? I got to go upstairs after service. I got to find Tommy's mom. So he finds Tommy's mom in the lobby. And he goes, Mary. I asked the question, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? Tommy raised his hand. He goes, I don't know, but I promise I didn't do it. So Mary says, well, let me tell you something, Pastor. If my little Tommy said he didn't do it, <laughs> he didn't do it. So now the pastor is beside himself. So he knows Tommy's dad pretty good. So he goes out, he's looking for Tommy's dad, and Tommy's dad is talking to some men out on the lawn. And he goes, Jim, crazy thing happened. I asked a question down in Sunday school. Who knocked down the walls of Jericho? And Tommy said, I promise. I don't know, but I didn't do it. And then I went to your wife. And Mary said, Mary goes, if Tommy, little Tommy said he didn't do it, he didn't do it. And his dad goes, I don't know what all the fuss is about. How much does a wall cost? I'll pay for it. <laughs> Biblical illiteracy. As you can see here, 20% of high school seniors can be classified as being functionally illiterate at the time they graduate. 70% of prisoners in the state and federal systems can be classified as illiterate. 85% of all juvenile offenders rate as functionally or marginally illiterate, and 43% of those with the lowest literacy, literacy skill live in poverty. Definition of illiteracy. The inability to read or write, Synonyms, ignorance, unawareness, inexperience, unenlightenment, lack of knowledge, lack of education, lack of knowledge in a particular subject or ignorance. Talk about Highlight Magazine. Take a look. What is it? Anybody know? Take a guess. All right, let me... It's a book. It's the Bible. And those are the index tabs. Okay. Turn with me to Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119, verse 
Psalm 119, verse 97. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is from a teacher. I started memorizing Psalm 119 because I thought I should. Sometime in the middle of the psalm, it occurred to me that I was learning was actually useful. It worked. After that, I didn't memorize because I should but because I enjoyed seeing it work in my life. The statutes had turned to songs. The work of memorization became a delight. How to memorize scripture for beginners. Charles Spurgeon said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. The United States population, as of February 2018, about 327 million. The State of the Bible, 2018. Research releases in Faith and Christianity, July 10th, 2018. Half of Americans are Bible users. About half of Americans use and look at the Bible. 48% of the time they engage with the Bible on their own. By using, listening to, watching, praying, or using Bible texts or content in any format, doesn't include being at a church service, at least three to four times a year. Two-thirds of Americans express Bible curiosity. 66% express at least some curiosity to know more about what the Bible is. One in three express a strong desire. A similar number of adults, 63%, are interested in knowing more who Jesus is. Curiosity is most common among weekly church attenders, adults who have have never been to college, and adults with minor children at home. Those who are already familiar with and open to using the Bible and those who are already in the church pews are the most movable. And that makes sense. When you're in an area, a position, where you are exposed to the Scripture, it's easier to jump in. And if you have a loved one, and how many times have you been invited, maybe when you first started going to church, or maybe you're here today and somebody asked you to visit your church. 
Bible illiteracy. 60% of Americans can't name either half of the Ten Commandments or the four Gospels. How much of the Bible have you personally read? And you can see the percentage here. I'm not going to go over it all, but just take a quick look. I'll change it in about five seconds. But you can see it's divided up as far as the percentage of people who have personally read the Bible. Teens, teenagers reading survey asked young people a few questions about how frequently and how much they read in their free time. We were specifically interested in recreational reading, not at school or at home. And you can see here, 16% read something every day, 5 to 6 days per week, 11%, 3 to 4 days per week, 21%, 1 to 2 days per week, 22%. This survey taken 12 years ago, I wonder if it's changed. I wonder if the percentage has increased or decreased. My guess, it's probably increased, the percentage just by what we're seeing in our society. But notice this, that um, Satan doesn't exist. 60% of people who said they believe in God believed, 60% didn't believe that Satan exists. 40% believe that Jesus committed sin. 40% said the Bible, the Book of Mormon, and the Koran are all holy. 70% profess Christians deny moral absolutes. 70% deny moral absolutes. I wonder if they were absolutely sure about that. 10% moral decisions were based on the Bible. 10% of them, their moral positions were based on the Bible. And last one is 64% truth discovered by reason, logic, and experience versus the truth that they could be found in the Bible. George Gallup said, Americans revere the Bible, but by and large they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't read my written word to you? Psalm 119.11. We read this today. Um, We're in Psalm 119 right now. But verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that more than half thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. 6% of children believe Hercules to be a scriptural character, while over half of parents asked, thought that the Hunger Games could be a biblical story. The Bible Society found that almost a third of children ages 8 to 15 did not know that the Nativity story is biblical. And roughly one in five teens believe the Bible is not divinely inspired. Some people attribute sayings to the Bible, but really they don't exist in the scriptures. There might be a category talking about 
some of these things, but they're not biblical sayings. Maybe you've heard some of these. Moderation in all things. Once saved, always saved. Better to cast your seed. Spare the rod, spoil the child. To thine own self be true. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. God helps those who help themselves. Money is the root of all evil. Cleanliness is next to godliness. This too shall pass. The eye is the window of the soul. God works in mysterious ways. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Pride comes before the fall. All things attributed to the scriptures, but it isn't there. Interesting. Now, did you know there was some sports in the Bible? Do you know where is the first baseball game in the Bible? Genesis 1. 1. In the beginning. <laughs> Eve stole first. Adam stole second. Cain struck out Abel. The giants and the angels were rained out. Where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? It's when Joseph served at Pharaoh's court. Who was the first surfer in the Bible? Did you know it was the Apostle Paul? In Acts, he came ashore on board, on a board. Who was the fastest runner in the race? It was Adam, because he was the first in the human race. What kind of motor vehicles are in the Bible? God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden in a fury. (laughs) David's triumph was heard throughout the land. Honda, because the apostles were all in one accord. And 2 Corinthians 4.8 describes a group traveling in a Volkswagen bug. We are hard pressed on every side. (laughs) Question today. Do you want to help repair biblical illiteracy? Do you as an individual want to help in the solution to the problem in our country? Simple. Eight out of ten people in church will never read through the Bible. Our prayer is that isn't you. That you'll read Genesis to Revelation, and when you're done, what do you do? Start it again. again. Amen. Amen. God sent His love letter to you and I. He's given this throughout generations. He wants to talk to us through His Word. When you open your Bible, what happens? What happens when you as an individual open your Bible? A.W. Tozer said, most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what it says. One of the most serious problems facing the church in the 21st century is a problem of biblical illiteracy. Most professing Christians do not possess a sound and coherent understanding of the Bible. J. Randall O'Brien said, if we want to be Christ-like, we must know what Christ is like. Only way you can know what Jesus is like is right here. As a teacher in the public schools for 44 years, as... Students in a public school or a public university that are still in school right now. 
as moms and dads, as single people in workplaces. How many of you promote Bible reading right in your home to begin with? And how many do you promote Bible reading right in your workplace or in your schools? Do you know it's legal? You can do that in your prep time, free time, lunch time as a worker or as a student. You can do that. It's not illegal. You have every right to do that. And there are young people that are doing that. There are older people that are doing that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Do we believe this? Do we believe that that's what God has ordained for us, has destined for us while we're on this earth? The words in the scripture are not to be taken lightly. Meditating on God's word will give us strength in times of weariness. Meditating on God's word will give us focus on the love of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Meditating on God's word will give us discernment of the will of God. And meditating on God's word will give us submission to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you digest God's word? Meditating, you know, it comes from the word of a cow chewing its cud. Has, different, has a few stomachs, so it, it chews on its, the grass, and it goes down into the stomach. It, it regurgitates it, it comes up, chews it some more, goes down to another stomach. So it's constantly digesting God's Word. Digest means to think over and absorb. To think over and absorb. We need to dive into God's promises, studying and pondering on them. Absorb it until you are absorbed by it. I like that one, right? Absorb it. Meditate on it until you are absorbed by it. Digest God's word. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. The Bible says that God holds his word above his name. Think about that just for a second. God holds his word above his name. What does that mean? You know, everybody has some sort of belief system. Oh, I believe in God, people say. I believe in the man upstairs. I believe in an almighty power. I believe in the force. But what does that stuff mean? God covers that by saying that I hold my word above my name. If his word isn't backing up the talk of God, then it's not the God of the scriptures from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. It's a different God. This is something that's going on within the churches in our country today. It's part of the biblical illiteracy. They don't get into God's word. They don't digest it. We will not believe more than we know, and we will not live higher than our beliefs. Matthew 24, 34 says, This generation shall not pass away. And it was speaking about the time of the rebirth of Israel in May of 1948. And it said all these things in Matthew that were talked about, the, the end times, all this will not wrap up. This generation will not pass till all this stuff happens. You see, we believe we're in the end days. We believe there's so, much th- so many things converging right now biblically. 
as we look over in the Middle East and just in the world in general. This generation, you and me, not outside the walls of the church, the generation who professes that they are believers in Jesus Christ, need to get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy in our own individual lives. That is so important. To be more Christ-like, you need to know what Christ is like. You need to know Him. And He reveals Himself in His Word. You have to take the Bible literally or not at all, says the pastor to his congregation. And then you can see the other side. Wait, where are you all going? Bill, Bill Koenig is the news correspondent. I believe that's his title at the White House. He said this. Why are so many people hitting delete when it comes to God? If you take any of the scriptures out from Genesis to Revelation, you're not, giving, you're not going to get the full story. If you believe that 30% of the Bible is prophecy and it's all allegorical, not literal, you're not going to understand the significance of this time. Replacement theology has led 100 million American churchgoers where they have no biblical understanding of what's taking place over in Israel. There was a time that there was a famine in the land because God was silent for 400 years. But God is silent in some of the church members who attend church once or twice a week because all they're hearing is the teacher on a Wednesday or a Sunday. They don't make God a personal God during the week. And I want to encourage you. Today is a new day. Today we begin. Today we start. Each of us, including me, of adding to my biblical illiteracy. To be more educated and closer and draw closer to God himself. Because he said, as I do that, as you do that, he will draw closer to you. And if you have young children, train them up in the biblical way. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 to 8. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. What a great gate to be in front of. A water gate. What a great place to be. You look at water, you look at the waterfall and you think of power, refreshment, uh, cleanliness. Um, I think of the Holy Spirit just washing over the people. You know, I'm looking at these things up here and I just see that water and it says here to just be and here these people gathered in front of the water gate to be washed by the water of the word. To be washed by God's word. To be cleansed. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. From morning until midday. Hours. It was hours that they were reading God's word. Before the men and women and those who could understand... 
And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra, the scribe, stood on a platform of wood, which he had made for the purpose. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, all they, they listened to a whole mess of names there. That's why I put all those periods in there. And the Levites, who were the priests, helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading of the scriptures. In 1 Timothy 4.13 in the English Standard Version, it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. In Romans, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. You get stronger when you read, meditate, digest God's word. It's the spiritual gym. It's your workout room. It's where you get your spiritual muscles from. Let's make today the beginning of a year of biblical literacy for Calvary Chapel Crossfields. And if you're just a visitor here today, take it back and make it that way where you're from. Did you know that the Bible has international signs? Talks about the nations, the regions, the final events before Christ comes back. Did you know there's cultural signs in the Bible? Talks about the societies, what they're going to be like before Jesus returns. Has heavenly signs. It talks about your destiny and my destiny. Before we go to meet the Lord. Tribulation signs talks about the seven years. What's going to happen at the end times before the second coming of Christ. Do you know there's end signs in the Bible? The expectations of God's kingdom. See, truth is not an option. Truth is truth. Only one thing can be true. And Jesus Christ said that he was the way, the truth, the truth, the truth, and the life. That no man, woman, boy, girl, teenager, goes to the Father except through Him. He is the truth. He gave us His word. He gave us His heart. He gave us His thoughts. In the scriptures, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us for almost 33 years. People saw him, people touched him, people ate with him. People witnessed his death. Over 500 people saw him alive after his resurrection. He's alive today where two or more people are gathering his name. He's right there. He's right here. Welcome, Jesus, in this congregation today in Jamesburg. We we thank you for being here. We want to hear what you have to say to us. We do not want to be illiterate. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It's his love letter to us. He's writing to us through all generations. His word is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting right down, revealing who we are to ourselves. And then we have a choice. What are we going to do with what he shows us? And he loves us. 
despite our worst part of our nature, he loves us more than anybody could love us. The Father loves us more than anybody. He loves us so much, he sent his Son to die on the cross for us. That whoever puts their trust in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Today is a new day. Yesterday is gone. The past is over. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a new creature in Christ. The old is gone, the new is here. It's a new day. We can begin again today as mercy is new. Every morning. Every morning. I want to show a clip. If we could run that video, guys, please, that would be awesome. I was reading the Bible, which, you know, is kind of hard to do, but I came across this verse that says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching. Yeah, this is in Paul's letter to Timothy, who's a young pastor, and he's telling him about ways that he can keep his church community engaged with scripture. Okay, so preaching the Bible, I get. Teaching from the Bible, I get that too. But what about this reading scripture together thing? Is that something I'm supposed to care about? Why did Paul think it was so important? Oh man, for Paul, this was a really significant practice for the people of God. Think all the way back to Mount Sinai, where the Israelites were just rescued from Egypt. They're no longer slaves, and they need a new identity, a new story to live by. And so Moses, he gathers the people together, and he reads the scriptures aloud. He reminds them of where they came from, who they are, and the new future that they're called to live for. This was the first public reading of scripture in the Bible. Yeah, and it didn't stop there. When the people finally got into the land, they did it again. Joshua pulled the people together, and they all listened to the scriptures read aloud so they could remember where they came from and how they could keep living as a part of this new story. So this is something they did all the time then? Well, actually, no. After Joshua died, we don't have any more stories of the people coming together to hear God's word. Instead, the people forgot their story and a whole generation arose that didn't know their God or what God had done for them. But then, centuries later, a king named Josiah rediscovered the scriptures, and he was so excited that he called Israel to begin this practice once again. It sparked a renewal movement. That is, until the people forgot once more, and they ended up in exile. And so this is why, when Ezra and Nehemiah came back from the exile, they needed to remind the people who they are and how they are to live. So this is a powerful practice. Yeah, in fact, reading scripture together became a core part of Jewish life. It was done every week as they gathered in synagogue. Jesus himself participated in this practice. He even launched his mission during the weekly reading of the scriptures. He read from the scroll of Isaiah, and then he told everyone these words were about him. And that brings us all the way back to the early church, where Paul told Timothy to keep this practice going, to immerse the whole community in the story of the scriptures. Okay, but here's the thing. Most people back then didn't know how to read, so they had to do it publicly. But I could read the Bible by myself. Yeah, and you should totally do that. But don't underestimate the power of this ancient practice. Reading the Bible by yourself can be hard. It can be easy to get distracted. But something happens when you hear God's word read aloud and when you're with other people. And besides, it's really easy. You don't need anyone to preach or teach. You just need to listen to the scriptures and then talk about what you've heard. This is what God's people have always done when they enter into new and uncertain times. They remember their story and who they are through the public reading of the scriptures. This is something we all can do, the public reading of scripture. Just think about it. I was just sitting there watching. I was thinking, 
you know, there's a nice, there's benches, there's a picnic table out here. You have parks near your house, you have your house. You know, we do have home groups. What about just getting together with a couple people? You have auto dramatization on your YouTube free. You go to any book in the Bible, you just play, you have people over, you just sit down, listen to God's word. God's Holy Spirit is a helper and a counselor. He comes alongside of you. He will open up the scripture to you, you know. And then if you want it, you discuss it. But you know what's been cool here at this church the last past year? There's been a Q&A. It's been in the Berean room. It's been on Wednesday nights when Pastor Joe teaches. Some of you have already done this already. What do you do? You hear something during the message. You write down questions. And then you get it further explained to you at the Q&A. You can do the exact same thing, having a public reading of the scripture, in your sphere of influence. I know a guy that goes to in his workplace during lunch and there's 20 or 30 people that that over the years have now come and for 20 minutes while they're eating, they just play their iPad or whatever they're doing and they're listening to the public reading of scripture. If you have travel, you're on a train, bus, you can listen to a public reading of scripture right on your on your uh, phone. You can pump in God's word so many different ways. You don't have to wait till Wednesday or Sunday. You can be creative with it. It's a great, great thing to do. I'm going to ask you um, to follow with me as I close right now. Let's go back to the psalm. And let's pretend. Okay? Let's pretend we're little kids again. That imagination that young people have. And let's pretend for 400 years, we've never, ever heard God's word. God's been silent. We were on our own. Like a boat, without a rudder, we were just spinning, going in any different direction. And then somebody found this book. And they opened up to Psalm 119, verse 97. And they read, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day through you. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet, how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. One of the things in the old times when people were uh, tired, they were weary, they would have honey to revive them. Do you need revival? Does your spirit, is it dry and weary? If if so, take in some spiritual honey, which is God's word. Last two verses, 105, or just 105, I'm sorry, just verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp. A lamp is... Lights up right here. You might be sitting down. There's just a lamp. And it's lighting up right where I am. And I see right here. 
But a, a lamp lights right here, but a light, a light lights a path for me to travel. If it's pitch black out there and I just have a lamp and I can't take the lamp with me, I'm okay right here. But in order to move, to go, I need a light to lighten my path. That's God's word. God wants you to move you from where you are to a path he's already established before the foundation of the world. It will become more clearer to you as you become more literate in the things of God. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m., and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.